0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Long Live Third Parties Podcast. Free Press, Media Press, Inc., a third party's books publisher, sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Greetings. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi, Rocky. Welcome to the Long Live Third Parties Podcast. Friends Thank you. To- We have a guest, Rocky Anderson of the Justice Party. Welcome. It's great to be with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming. Let's get started by... You kindly given us an introduction to who you are.
1: Well, I, uh, I've i lived in Salt Lake City, uh, northern Utah, almost all my life, except for three years in law school in Washington, D.C. Uh, after I graduated from college, I started graduate school in philosophy for a while, took off a couple of years, did a lot of odd jobs, traveled, um, doing That The kind of work that I did then and and even years before that gave me a great appreciation of the challenges facing working people. And I wanted to dedicate myself to vindicating human and civil rights and standing up for the rights of people who uh, needed the, the help of others. So I decided to go to law school. Uh, After I graduated, I came back to Salt Lake City. I practiced for about 21 years. Uh, I ran for Congress in 1996. I won the Democratic primary, but was defeated in the general election, principally because of my advocacy for same-sex marriage. Um, It was unusual for any candidates to be advocating marriage equality in 1996. Um, Then I went back to practice law for a while, and then I, in 1999, I ran for mayor of Salt Lake City, uh, and I won that election and was mayor of Salt Lake City for two terms from January 2000 to 2008. Uh, I decided not to run for a third term as mayor, although uh, I had a lot of support in the community. I think I would have won a third term, but I wanted to work on human rights on a national and international basis. So I founded High Road for Human Rights and was executive director of that for three and a half years. It was an educational and advocacy organization addressing major human rights issues uh, because I became convinced that the problem in this country is even though we've got a number of Human rights organizations that everybody writes checks out to, and then they do their reports and their lobbying at uh, high levels. We really don't have a grassroots organizing mechanism to bring people together so they can speak with one powerful voice. And that's what High Road for Human Rights was all about. Then uh, uh, I realized, you know, it, just raising the money to keep that going was taking most of the time instead of working on the substantive matters. And uh, so I felt like maybe we could do the, a better job at getting the word out if we got involved in electropolitics. politics. So I co-founded the Justice Party in 20, late 2011. I was a Justice Party candidate for president in 2012. Uh, it was a great experience. I think we were able to get the word out to a lot of people about all sorts of issues that people weren't aware of and they were only hearing the views of the duopolis parties republicans and democrats which were pretty much identical except for the few wedge issues like abortion and same-sex marriage or other gay and lesbian rights issues Uh, but on the whole we didn't see much difference between those two parties we weren't seeing any effective action on climate change. Foreign policy was just about the same. I don't think we ever would have been in Iraq if it hadn't been for cowardly Democrats like Hillary Clinton and John Kerry, who were actually making the case uh, for Bush's efforts to illegally and dishonestly invade and occupy that country. So uh, anyway, after 2012, the party stayed fairly active, but didn't run any more candidates. We did endorse Bernie Sanders at one point. I went back to practice of law, had handled some major civil rights cases successfully here in Utah. And then um, I just barely, about two or three months ago, wound down my law practice entirely, finished up all the cases that I had, uh one of them involved uh, the horrendous tragic death of a young woman in the salt lake county jail totally unnecessarily hundred uh, percent due to deliberate indifference and i think a real cruel uh culture of indifference at the salt lake county jail as in gels across this country um and then i have dedicated myself to doing the organizing work, which is a lot, to get a political party going. So we're reviving the Justice Party. Uh, We uh, are very unlike any other party in the country. We don't call ourselves a third party. We intend to be one of the two major parties. Uh, And and we, we will never be a spoiler, as it were. Uh, I I, I never liked that term spoiler. I think that third parties can serve a tremendous role in getting out ideas and and adding to the agenda in ways that two-party system just doesn't do. And we saw some real successes with, say, Teddy Roosevelt's run when he was running as a third-party candidate with the Progressive Party. Almost everything that he was advocating ultimately became law in this country, uh, great social progress. But some of these parties, when they're running, the Green Party this last time around, uh, or rather in, in um, 2016, uh, I think they took enough votes away that uh, from the Democratic candidate that Trump was elected. And uh, although he's a great friend and I have a world of respect and admiration for him, I really uh, wish that Ralph Nader had not run in Florida in the year 2000 because I think Al Gore would have been our nation's president and it would have made a tremendous difference. I think it would have made all the difference, especially when it comes to climate change and there's no way with Al Gore as president that we... Would have been invading and occupying Iraq and causing all the the heartache and tragedy and the immigration crises and the growth of uh, al-Qaeda and ISIS that we saw uh, after George Bush's disastrous foreign policy.
0: Thank you for that introduction to yourself. Since you won your race for mayor a couple of times, we have a lot of people on Listening to our podcast who are running for office themselves. So if you would kindly give some tips to people running for office, how they can win
1: well what when I ran for mayor, uh, I was running against I think there were eleven opponents in the primary election, and it was the two top vote getters. It's a nonpartisan race, thank goodness. Um, because when i when I won the democratic, nomination for Congress in 1996, I didn't get one bit of help. In fact, I got a lot of, of just the opposite from the democratic party, because according to them, I was too liberal, uh, to win. I was too liberal because I supported choice for women. I was against the death penalty. I was against unnecessary wars. Um, I can't remember what else, but, uh, I I had a good long record of standing up for people's civil rights. So the advice I would give is, first of all, before you run, dedicate yourself to your community. Um, Make sure that that this isn't your first foray into public affairs. I always tell people, you want to see what a candidate's going to do once they're elected. Look at what they've done before they ran. Are they just saying all the right things now or did they actually stand up for the kinds of things they're talking about um, in in their life before they were mayor? And then I'd also say, uh, get out there, especially a race like mayor. Uh, I took off an entire year. Uh, It was a great sacrifice. I didn't have any income for a year. I quit my law practice but I did it with the attitude that we are going to do everything it takes to win. We raised the money, we went out door to door, we had uh, unbelievable volunteers, hundreds of volunteers and we're getting lawn signs up on lawns uh, throughout the community. And we started uh, getting commitments for lawn signs in November, one year before the race, before the election. And we started putting them up in February. So they were up uh, about 10 months, 9 to 10 months, most of them throughout the community. And we just kept putting them up. People would steal them. Uh, We'd go out and get them back up. And it it was a great way to signify the grassroots support that we had throughout the community. And of course, keeping my name out there, uh, I think it helped a lot that I'd run for Congress before. And I had shown a dedication to principle, knowing that I'd probably lose the race if I advocated marriage equality, but uh, I didn't back off.
0: Good to hear. I trust people will find that information very helpful. I hope so. I have a question about life after being mayor, I've read Books that talk about the season of life, such as one by Jim Rohn. And then I read a book about it's called Peaks and Valleys. Both of them discuss how life has these seasons where you get to the top of the, you get to the peak, and then you go down to the valley. And it says that if you're living a good life, there should be peaks and valleys. So after you reach the peak of Mayer, how did, how did you deal with life after coming out that peak?
1: Um, I don't consider that the peak of my life. I considered uh, the work I did at High Road for Human Rights uh, as important, if not more important. I considered the work I did as a practicing lawyer, primarily in the area of civil rights, um, as important. I've always found, I mean, I've always worked really hard, and, and there have been huge personal sacrifices that came along with that. But... Um, I've also found tremendous rewards in doing the kind of work that I felt protected the rights of other people and advocated for the public interest. So no matter what I do, whether it's in electoral politics, whether it's in my community volunteer involvement, I, I almost always was on at least one nonprofit board in my community. Um, we can all find ways that we can help anybody that thinks that the peak of somebody's life is an elective office. uh, I I kind of have to wonder what happened in that person's life. If that's the peak, because uh, I mean, I loved it. I loved what we were able to get done, but it's, it's not the end all and be all you, you can get a lot done. In your neighborhoods, in your local communities, in your state, and even on in terms of national politics, if you go out and uh, figure out a way to, to make a difference in the best way possible. When I was uh, just a few years out of law school and had a young family, I read about the United States' efforts to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua after... Sandinistas had overthrown the Somoza regime, a brutal regime sponsored by the United States for many years. And I just learned everything I could about it. I took two different groups, organized them to go down so we could see for ourselves what was happening in Nicaragua. I ended up debating foreign policy experts from the State Department uh, in foreign policy conferences. And I even debated the commander in chief of the Contras two different times. Uh, and people say, well, how, how did you get involved in that? Well, you just get involved. You, you figure out how to make a difference. And there's nobody's going to hand it to you on a silver platter. Go figure out for yourself how you can best dedicate yourself to the cause of, of justice for people, whether in your own community or halfway around the world. And get to work, because as far as I know, we only have this one life. And at the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and say, I did absolutely everything that I could and that I'd made a real difference. Sounds good. Kindly
0: talk about the Justice Party's platform.
1: Um, You can see, uh, and I urge all your listeners to look at our website. It's at uh, justiceparty.us. And there we have uh, our vision and mission statements, as well as our goals, objectives, and core values. And that should tell you just about everything you need to know about the Justice Party. And it will also show it, it will disclose the vast difference between what the Justice Party is doing and what it intends to do, and how that's distinguished from every other political party in this country.
0: Okay, sounds good. We can direct people to visit your website.
1: But I'm happy to talk about uh, different areas of of interest and emphasis. We, We basically have three pillars that we group most of the issues under, and that is social justice Economic justice and environmental justice. Uh, in the area of environmental, uh, the other thing that you'll you'll see if you look at our uh, s- our steering board members is that these are people who aren't just getting involved in electoral politics to be involved, or because they've got some burning interest. Now, these are people who have dedicated much of their lives, if not most of their lives, to these same issues. These these people are the real thing. They are genuinely not only concerned, but they've been taking action. They've shown their dedication to these issues. And uh, that's why we've come together to provide this opportunity for the people of this country to take a different route. Because we know that as long as the duopoly parties, that is the Democrat Democratic Party and the Republican Party, and they are a duopoly, they, they have absolutely done everything they can to exclude everybody else from uh, restricting ballot access state by state to excluding anybody from the presidential debates, and, and, and they took over the debates, by the way. They hijacked the presidential debates from the League of Women Voters solely because the League of Women Voters were allowing third party candidates to join the, the two major party candidates on the stage so that people would hear something different, hear a different approach, maybe get different uh, issues or positions in the public mind like Ross Perot did, uh, nobody was paying attention to deficits and the federal budget or the health of Social Security and Medicare uh, l- like they did after Ross Perot got involved. As I said, uh, Teddy Roosevelt made a huge difference with, uh, old, he advocated old age pensions, which now is Social Security. He advocated a 40 hour work week. He advocated age restrictions for the workplace. Um, Then we saw these kinds of things happen. But if you're going to exclude those voices, you're going to preclude that kind of very positive impact from third party candidates. And that's exactly what the the two duopolis parties did when they hijacked the presidential debates away from the League of Women Voters. And they actually enter into memoranda of understanding during presidential races, promising each other that they will not allow anybody else to participate in debates and that their candidates won't debate anybody else during the the campaigns. It's unbelievably anti-democratic, not just undemocratic, anti-democratic. The two duopolis parties have done the same thing in so many states making it virtually impossible to even get on the ballot to give people a choice. And now we see the Republican Party doing everything they can to restrict uh, people's right to vote because they can't get enough votes in a free and fair election. So they, what they want to do is exclude people from being able to vote that they know won't support the Republican Party. So we're forgetting the corrupting influence of money out of politics. We are absolutely in favor of a universal health care system so that we can join every other nation in the industrialized world in making essential health care a right for everyone. And we could do that and save uh, half the cost. We, the, per capita, the cost of health care in the United States is double the average of the cost of healthcare in the rest of the industrialized world. And in the United States, we have worse outcomes. For instance, we've got far worse rates of infant mortality and maternal mortality than almost every other country in the industrialized world. And that is simply because people that can't afford health care coverage in this country don't have the access to health care and pre especially prenatal care so we're we're talking about the kinds of things that will will further the public interest so that we're not seeing all these elected officials just acting like they're on retainer with the largest campaign contributors and of course climate change uh effective action finally is an existential issue as is nuclear disarmament and uh a lot of us uh, for instance i've been working on climate issues aggressively for probably over 25 years um, I've been a real critic of the messaging by a lot of these environmental organizations. They've utterly failed in their messaging because th- they have not gotten across the urgency. I mean, just the word itself, climate change, I normally don't use it. I use climate crisis, climate catastrophe, climate chaos. Climate change is such an innocuous word. It's like, you know, we go to Hawaii for climate change. Um we, we, just, we just need to take a whole different approach to, to these kinds of issues that are, are impacting everybody. And with the Justice Party, we're, we're way different than like what we hear out of the Republicans and the Trumpists that it's USA number one and it's all about the United States. To us, it's all about our world. And it's also not just about us, those of us who are living now and who can vote. It's about those who come after us and building a better, safer, more sustainable planet. That sounds good. So do you have any podcast
0: recommendations for our audience?
1: Um, you know, I I hear some really good podcasts once in a while. I'm I'm sorry. I don't. I can't think of any that I'd recommend for the audience. And I I really have spent I spend every day, every minute of every day right now, just getting the Justice Party up and going. And and haven't heard a lot of podcasts. But I think they serve such an important purpose. Uh, you know you. It's wonderful when you see people, instead of just listening to music or playing games, to actually listen to podcasts so they can become informed about what's going on in the world. So I commend you for doing what you're doing and helping get the word out. And, you know, how many people other than your listeners even know about the efforts that are being made to revive the Justice Party?
0: So how can... Our listeners out there support the Justice Party. You already mentioned we people can visit your website. Is there anything else they can do to support the party?
1: Yes. Please become a member. And becoming a member doesn't commit you to do anything. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't mean that you have to resign or renounce uh, membership in any other political party or any other organization. If you're a Democrat, you can stay a Democrat. If you but but if you believe in what we're trying to do so that you can help us build over time and put the pressure on the duopolis parties to bring about the kinds of changes that are so clearly in the public interest, then please join the Justice Party. And if you go to justiceparty.us, uh, there's a button right at the top of the homepage about becoming a member, joining in our efforts. And then also, please make a contribution, even if it's a small one. Please show some financial commitment to what we're doing because it does take money. I don't get paid anything. I'm doing this on a completely volunteer basis. So is everybody else except for one full-time, crucial assistant that we have that, that needs to be paid. But other than that, we've done everything uh, free of charge. Uh, But we do need to get out videos. We need to produce certain things uh, to get the word out. And we need to get things printed. We need to get uh, press releases out. And those sometimes can be costly. But again, we take advantage of every opportunity we can for free media like this program today to help get the word out, but it it can't all be done for free. So if if anybody wants, truly wants to see a change, take a look at justiceparty.us and take a look at what we stand for, join as a member. And again, you don't have to, that doesn't mean that you're not a member of whatever other party you might be a member of, or you can still claim to be an independent. In fact, it doesn't mean that you're registered in your state as a Justice Party member, because we don't have those state political parties up and going now as we did in 2012. Um, So all it means is that you, you support our efforts in bringing about major changes in these areas. And then also, again, even a small financial contribution, show yourself as making at least that commitment. And s- by all means, stop with just being a mouse click activist. So many people think that they're they're doing what they need to do by getting online, sitting by themselves in front of their computer, uh, putting their name on some petition, and feeling like they've made a difference. That's not going to do it. We need to all join together. And once we have contact information from people, we are going to start local teams. We're going to provide a means of people uh, to join a team if one's already been set up, if it hasn't been set up, to start a team, and to find teams in your local area. And again, this is a—it's it, a very complex uh, programming challenge, but we did it before with High Road for Human Rights successfully. I think it's an amazing means of making the Justice Party not just a a, a political electoral party, but also a party that is helping organize and promote mass movements. Because it really is only through movements of a lot of tenacious people on a sustained basis that we see major social change in this country. When you look back at it, it wasn't who we elected that made the changes. It was the people who were out in the streets uh, fighting against slavery, fighting for women's suffrage, fighting for the civil rights movement, fighting for the early environmental movement, fighting for the labor movement that brought about so many great changes. So if you're not connecting with people and organizing and getting to know people and building community and organizing and, and, and both providing leadership, and also bringing people together so that we can all get on the same page, then you, you really aren't doing what's required to bring about that major change. These These people, that have so much money, the fossil fuel companies, the big pharmaceutical companies, that are just completely screwing people left and right in this country with their excessive prices, uh, way higher than in any other country in the world. Uh, the the health insurance industry, which is the greatest parasite, uh, precluding so many people from getting essential health care, and ripping off uh, about half of what should be our health care dollars for this parasitic system that really doesn't add anything. And we know that because these universal health care programs in other countries have been so successful. Also, look at the, these for-profit colleges, uh, ramping up tuitions, getting students to take out loans, and then they're going to carry this enormous debt all their lives not be able to buy their own homes not be able to help their own children get a college education or or training later in life because they've got this horrendous debt that follows them forever and it was people like joe biden that fought in congress to make that debt non-dischargeable in bankruptcy absolutely shameful Uh, other nations in the industrialized world they value education. They provide a means for equality and educational opportunities. Uh, we've gotten so far away from that concept in this country, and, and we've done it in one or two generations. When I went to school, everybody could basically afford to go to a state university. That's what the state university system was all about. I paid $160 a quarter to go to college. I could pay my own tuition working in the lumber yard back then. It's impossible now. They, they've they've taken it completely out of reach of most people and uh, it, it's part of what's become a country of such disparity in income and wealth that, that we now have another gilded age as we did in the late 1800s and early 1900s where we have the very, very wealthy and then we have everybody else that's working basically at, at slave wages or no wages at all, uh, where we haven't had a a real increase in the minimum wage for decades. And yet, while working people are out there trying to make a go of it, uh, seeing their real wages actually diminish in purchasing value, the very wealthy are, are making more and more money all the time The CEOs are making sometimes ratios of 100 times or more that of the working people in their companies. All of this has really changed dramatically since about, the well, pre-Reagan, about 35 years that we had a thriving, healthy, sustained middle class in this country. And it came about in large part because of, of fair tax policies and because of a strong union system that helped raise benefits and compensation for all working people.
0: All right. We thank you for coming on the podcast today, and we wish the Justice Party all the best, and may you make a difference like I know you're doing right now.
1: Well, thank you very much. And again, I urge everybody... Uh, Come aboard, join as a member, contribute what you can, justiceparty.us. And if I can get a link to this program, I'd love to help push it out and have other people be able to, to listen to it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.